Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. <laughs> Hi. And today we are talking about something that should probably never be brought up. Ever. In in not even film archaeologists should mention this movie. Uh, we are talking the 1992 film Bad Channels from everyone's favorite studio, Full Moon. Uh, the purveyors of such wonderful entertainment as Puppet Master, Dangerous Toys or something like that, Doll Man. <laughs> yeah, they've got a track record, that's for sure. They they have a track record. For those of you who for some reason are not familiar with Full Moon Studios, they are they were like one of the big uh independent direct to video studios. Um very Roger Cormany type of stuff. Yes. Schlock salesman. Right. This is you know, full moons, your traumas. And stuff like that. Back in the day, and you remember this as well as I do, when there were video stores, or you could go down to your local gas station and rent videos, uh, there were many companies who just cranked out this shit direct to tape for the rental market. Yeah, well, I mean, these films are fairly cheap to make, horror films. I mean, it's gotten a little bit more sophisticated recently, um, mainly because of CG. But, I mean, it used to be you, you, nobody expected Shakespeare. Right. So, so you didn't have to have, like, great actors. You know, uh, you made models in rubber suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used your backyard as the set. Right. And, uh, you know, you could do it pretty cheap. I was actually an extra in a cheap movie back in the day called, um, let me see if I, Dragula. And it was pre, um, pre white zombie. And it was about a, uh, cross dressing vampire. And I played a gangster who was nailed to a tree and it was filmed in and around Catonsville. Ah, oh. but it, I I don't really see that it cost these people any money to make because they had done <laughs> right. So so I I am to presume that uh, your newfound wealth and power was squandered, uh, tracking down and destroying every copy of this video. That's <laughs> 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 why I'm now destitute. That's why we don't have... We have the same budget as this film. Four microphones of madness. Now, this film actually had a budget, but it was all blown in getting Martha Quinn to be in it. And this was apparently her last film ever. This film destroyed Martha Quinn's career. Can you blame her? Uh, Also, the other brush with stardom this film has is that it was scored by... One of your favorite bands. Blue Oyster Cult. Was the, all, the whole reason we watched this damn film was because Blue Oyster Cult was involved with the soundtrack. <laughs> but it was the soundtrack, not like the songs. No. The songs the were 
which is cool. You know, I'm I'm glad they got the work and everything, but I wish they had done the songs as well because, man, the songs in this film were ass. <laughs> right. It was it was like your direct to video versions of uh, Nine Inch Nails, Nirvana, and Mr. Bungle. Yeah, it was it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, so honestly, I I need to to decide, and I've been mulling it over. I watch this um, early in the week, mm-hmm. so I need to like decide whether this movie is just a pile of dog shit, or it's so bad that it's funny. Uh, it 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 is, it is definitely the latter. Uh, the, the concept is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and for those of you who are still listening, thank you. And the plot of this film is an alien comes to Earth, takes over a radio station with the express purpose of kidnapping a quartet of attractive women. Yes, for who knows what reason. That's it. And the only other thing that's going on in this movie is they happen to take over the radio station during a marathon broadcast by a notorious shock jock. Right. Who really wasn't all that shocking. No. Well, maybe in 1992. No. Come on. 1992. You had Howard Stern okay. was going full throttle. You had fucking Don and Mike. All right, all right. So this is the Full Moon Studios direct-to-video so version of exactly. Howard Stern. It's the not Howard Stern. <laughs> it's the the best thing is they had this this uh, fully functioning super station uh, radio station, right? Mm-hmm. Which happened to be six sixty six a.m. Jesus fucking Christ! As soon as that happened, you were, you knew it was like ugh. But they had this, this, they had the most powerful radio station in America because nobody else wants to have that, um, that, that wavelength. Mm. It's 666. Right. Because nobody else had it, they, they pretty much cornered the market and they bought a brand new transmitter to broadcast nationwide. Yes. They never heard of, um, of syndication and rebroadcasting like every other like syndicated radio program, but whatever. Nope. They wanted to be a superstation. They want to be the home source heard everywhere in the world. So this superstation has a three person staff. Right. One of which is the owner. <laughs> and right. doesn't do shit. So you had a DJ and a, um, I guess the engineer here. Right, and no they just and they just hired their DJ. All right, no producer. <laughs> right, no other staff, no advertising people, no Les Nessman or whatever, no Herb Tarlick. Right, uh, they were they were a twenty four hour a day polka station. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the polka band was not Lawrence Welk. Right. So. There you have it. There you have the entire setup for the film. Uh, the radio station opens. It goes into nationwide broadcasting. Um, and they get this guy, uh, what was D- Dangerous Dan. Yeah, Dan Danger. Dan Danger. It wasn't even D- Dan Donger. Right. 
It Dan O'Dare, that's it. Dan O'Dare. Dangerous Dan O'Dare. <laughs> Played by Paul Hip, who actually has some other credits to his name. Um, you might recognize him from such things as... Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, My name's Paul Hip. You might remember me from such movies as... Exactly. Um, he actually played in a revival of Hair with uh, okay. John Barrowman. Oh, well, there you go. John Barrowman's he, got he more played, talent than anybody. Berger, who I think is the main character in Hair. Wow. So, there you go. Um, he played in the film Fathers and Sons with Jeff Goldblum and played... Um, in, in, uh, bad Lieutenant, he played Jesus in, in bad Lieutenant, I guess when, um, Jesus was, was, um, admonishing Harvey Keitel's character or something. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Um, yeah, so he's like, he's like not a household name, but he, he got work. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those, oh, it's that guy kind of actors. Exactly. And he actually, you know. He was actually probably a pretty good fit for that role mm-hmm. had the rest of the cast been okay. But the rest of the cast were pretty much um, the standard full moon uh, entertainment fair. Yeah. Uh, the sheriff. Bald guy. Black Bald guy. <laughs> now, see, uh, the, the news reporter, I mean, he was just straight man the whole time. Yes. Hi. <laughs> the, the, but the funniest gag he did was when he like came in and he straightens his coat and he's ready to go on the air and he just reaches into his coat and pulls out a microphone and he's just like ready to go. It's like he's got it at a shoulder holster Whoosh, on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts out with this um, polka marathon that won't stop until someone guesses the combination on the chains that have locked Dangerous Dan O'Dare to his DJ station. Right. And once once the, the combination is guests, not only will the radio station start playing good old rock and roll, but that the guesser will get a, um, a, a new car. Right. Um, a, a not Suzuki. Right. So, so what... It's actually kind of a bit of clever screenwriting. Is this? It turns out that it's rigged, right? So it casts doubt upon the credibility of this guy and lets the audience know that this guy's a prankster and he's known for his on-air pranks. Right, he's known which, for these wacky stunts and whatnot all on the air. Which is why when the aliens come down and take over his radio station and he gives the play-by-play of what's going on, no one believes him. Mm-hmm. So, so you almost get this like, I mean, the actual story itself is pretty clever because it is an an, an interesting subversion of War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. Orson yeah. Welles, because the same exact things going on, except it's the opposite, where Orson Welles put on a play that everybody thought was real. This guy, the real thing is happening, and everybody thinks it's a gag. Yes. But Martha Quinn was it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, all throughout the film, you get the kind of play-by-play of 
the DJ in the studio. And, and in fact, that was probably some of the more tense stuff of the horror film. The right. more, yeah, the more and, horrifying and it was a horror stuff. film, kind of. Mm-hmm. But it was just so damn silly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's regarded as a spoof, but I don't I really think of it as a spoof. I think they were playing it straight. Yeah, what were they spoofing? Yeah. Um it you could look at it maybe as being a satire of of horror films or satire of media culture. You know, a riff on the shock jock phenomenon that was common at the time. Um but yeah, that's actually the more interesting parts of it is the fact that he's trapped in the radio station with the alien. He is giving a play-by-play, as-it-happens commentary, and everybody thinks it is the greatest joke ever. Yes. And you get callers calling in from all over the United States. Love your show. Fantastic. I love this gag. You know, keep right. it up. Keep up the good work, man. I'm listening to this radio station all the time now. This is and, my and favorite you, radio station. You could, you could see the owner they, they who's loving it. You can see the dollar bills in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And all the, the whole time, this poor guy is um, narrating this alien takeover. And, and what the aliens are doing, I don't know why they're doing this. Because the aliens don't say a damn word. If if you look at their Wikipedia page for this um, movie, they're actually named characters. Mm -hmm. So it must have just been something they put in the in the credits. Cosmo and Snot Blob or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So okay, well, or or since I'm I'm really ready to spoil this film, uh, not Audrey (laughs) two. Right. Yes, it's kind. Of, well, it, actually, the costume kind of reminded me of Peter Gabriel's Slipperman costume <laughs> from The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway tour, like just like a big, big bulbous thing. Uh, Wesley James Young's uh, apogee costume. <laughs> All he was missing was a jetpack. Yeah. So, so the weird thing, uh, the weird, the one weird thing. Um, <laughs> If you could just single it down to one thing. Well, the way they kidnap these women. Mm -hmm. They use the radio station to hypnotize specific women Mm -hmm. um, and aimed songs at them. And through the magic of I don't even know what, they perceived themselves to be in a video. Yes. From the band whose song was being played. Right, or so, an impromptu so, live performance slash video. Right. So you get things like, and it just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, hold on, because now, the soundtrack is available on Apple Music. Okay. <laughs> so you know. So if you go to, if you have um, Apple Music and you go, um, and look under Blue Oyster Cult. Mm-hmm. It is in there, which is very convenient because I'm going to tell you some of these bands that made the cut. Woohoo! And you're going to go, what? Okay. So there's a band called Joker. Okay. 
Um, their song was Jane Jane the Hurricane. There's a band called Fair Game. And the there was a band called Psychotic Symphony mm-hmm. and DMT, like the the um, the spirit the molecule. Yeah. So Psychotic Symphony was not Mr. Bungle. Not Mr. Bungle. <laughs> That's the one I remember because they were dressed as clowns and they did like half like hip hop is rock and half like hardcore rock. Mm-hmm. And half <laughs> circus music. Yeah, well, well, like like Mr. Bungle, right? <laughs> so, um, I want to say that uh, Fair Game was not Nirvana, <laughs> but I have to give a shit, <laughs> right? And actually try to listen to these songs again, <laughs> and yes. th- there. I mean, they had like so one of the um, one of the the scenes was you had the high school marching band, which had three people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, practicing in the gym while the basketball team was there. They had four uh, people in it. Oh, sorry, four people. Uh, learning their parts, and the one, the one, the hot chick who was the target had her radio on while she was doing this. Mm-hmm. Play, learning her symbol part. And, uh, her video was basically Smells Like Teen Spirit. Right, but not smells like Teen Spirit because they were in a gym and they were cheerleaders, and basketball right. players, right? Doing uh, a big dance number type of thing. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It said there were like four of these. Well, three of them plus Martha Quinn, who for some reason didn't get a um, a video sequence. No, because the the real magic was they were they were attracting women that were listening to Dan's voice. It was all Dan's voice that was responsible for the whole thing. Right, so he could have just shut up. But he can't! Because (laughs) dead air, dead air is a mortal sin in radio, and so you can't have a guy who's already been one talking for probably 10-15 hours as it is turn around and stop talking when the most amazing thing that's ever happened to him is happening right in front of his face. (laughs) So, they got that going for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically the entire movie. Good night, folks. We love you. Yeah. Um, this actually could have been a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. If they had gotten... They didn't have to get Nirvana, but had they gotten, like, a... Silver chair. Had they gotten a competent band, you know, to play these songs. Somebody right. with, like... A little bit of name recognition. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to be Nirvana, but you know, somebody with a little bit of re- name recognition, not uh, the band that'll do it for exposure, right? Because because it didn't work, man. Who has ever heard of Joker or DMT or Psychotic, whatever the fuck they were? Psychotic Symphony. Yeah, exactly. Everyone who listens to this show now, <laughs> they're going out to find those rare B sides. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Rock yeah, that like, shit in your car. Seriously, these are bands that don't even have B-sides. They have D-sides. Right. <laughs> right. It's definitely like, you know, opening act before the venue even opens. 
right? You know, playing for the roadies kind of thing. It's the roadies band. Spinal Tap. Puppet Show and Spinal Tap. So yeah. had they had halfway decent bands, that could have helped. Had they gotten the entire lineup of MTV VJs from the 80s to fill in the roles, that would have been cool. What, downtown Julie Brown? Downtown Julie Brown, uh, Kurt Loder. I will say, you know, I don't know about everybody else, but I always thought downtown Julie Brown was kind of funny. Everyone but Kennedy, because look how she turned out. You can Google Kennedy and you'll see. Plus, she wasn't in the 80s um, MTV anyway, so fuck her. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm going to pretend not to know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Ken- Kennedy's a, uh, she's an extreme right-wing asshole right now. She she has her own show on Fox Business Channel. Yeah, she, is, she has gone the way of Dennis Miller. Yeah. All right. So enough about Kennedy. All right. Fuck that. So had you gotten a, a I'm, I'm halfway serious with this, a recognizable cast. And mm-hmm. the only reason I say MTV VJs is because Martha Quinn. Right. Nina Blackwood. And yeah, and that would have made made for an interesting little uh, little thing, because, you know, it's always fun when you get like just random people that you recognize from something else. Right. You know, not even the same type of thing, but you know, if it was all MTV VJs, like Kurt Loder playing the sheriff. Right. Or the radio station owner or something like that. And, and expanded it from there. Right. Cause there weren't a lot of, of, of cast in this. No, no, but I mean, cheap movie, you try to keep as few cast as possible. Right. So I just think it could have like, well, you could say this about a lot of things, but it's it's not as bad as it looks as a movie. Because you could definitely see the potential in here for something that's never going to be a masterpiece, but something that um, is up there with like Evil Dead mm-hmm. cult status. Right, right. And, and I just, the way it is right now, it's a, if you know about it and you've watched it, you feel the pain and you know it's so bad, it's funny. But just a little bit more money and they could have actually had a film that people go and watch mm-hmm. to be, because, you know, that go-to, it's so bad, it's funny kind of film. I mean, you could take that story, you could take that story and give it like a super large budget and actually cast like big Hollywood names, and it would still be like a cult movie. You could have oh, yeah. Samuel Jackson as the station owner. <laughs> you know, Larry the Cable Guy is the engineer. I'm sick of these goddamn aliens. I'm in my motherfucking news station. Did that motherfucker just say fuck on the air? <laughs> 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 yeah, that would have been that would have been funny. <laughs> so, and, and and there's a lot of folks that probably, Matthew McConaughey as as Dangerous Dan. 
Yeah. He would have been hilarious. So, so this film definitely had it had all the right ingredients except for the budget. Right. The budgetary constraints. It was limited limited by the technology. <laughs> and the technology being a printing press for money or right. or a loan. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's your collateral, doll man? <laughs> the, the the rights the rights to Puppet Master. Right. Um, apparently there was a sequel. Really? A, a kind of a sequel. Yeah, so did you watch it past the credits or did you turn it off? I turned it off at the credits. Ah, there is a post credit scene that you totally missed. Okay. Tell there, me about it. Well, now I'm not the uh I'm not the full moon uh video expert. Full Moon Entertainment video expert, but they had, I think, one of the characters from, I want to say, Dollman hitchhiking down the road because he heard about a small woman, because one of the women was not um, rescued. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, uh, to this town to get her in his fight against evil. So um, this, the crossover sequel kind of thing is called Dollman versus Demonic Toys, which oh. has um, characters from all three. Oh, dear. Yes. So it is. Um, yeah, I have not seen that. I, I have heard of this film. Uh, I yeah, did not seen it. And there you go. That's probably maybe even one of the first instances of a shared universe. <laughs> there you go. Move over, Marvel. <laughs> Here comes the Doll Man Cinematic Universe, motherfucker. That's right. From the 90s. Oh, my goodness. I think those characters made it into comics as well. I think there was a Doll Man comic. I'm sure there was. And it was probably. I mean, not, there was like a, a DC no, no, hero. Not, not DC's Doll Man. I right. know what you're talking about. But I think there was also a, a comic yeah, based probably on put this. out by Dynamite. Right. IDW, one or of those types of companies. Top, top Cow. Oh, my God. Top Cow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there was enough cheesecake in there for Top Cow. Why? Um, they had, like, little tiny uh, girls. Yeah. But, you know, Top Cow Productions, they, they had more cheesecake than the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, he's looking it up, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking it up. He's looking it up. Only the best for our audience. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, if you look up Doll Man, it's mostly the old... Freedom Fighters character. Will Eisner stuff. Oh, really? I thought he was in Freedom Fighters as well, or did they get him from Will Eisner and move him over to Freedom Fighters? Oh, Eternity Comics. Ah. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, they're probably a, an arm of Full Moon Entertainment. Uh, Dollman also had his own comic series published by Eternity Comics, who also made comics for other Full Moon films. So, yeah, they were the propaganda arm. <laughs> the expanded universe. Oh, my God. Oh, well, Evil Ernie was was in there. They oh they had they did the Lensman in 1990 they adapted Lensman. Mm. 
I love Lucy Comics. Okay. Pirate Corpse. Like Green Lantern or Corpse as in Dead Body? Corpse as in C-O-R-P and then a dollar sign. Mm. <laughs> so Core, but with a dollar sign at the end. Arr. Pirate Core. Cha-ching. I've got a duty to collect that booty. Yar. <laughs> Puppet Master's in there, too, which I think was another. Yeah, that was another full moon. Yeah. Well, that's a very beloved franchise. There's, I think there's a lot of folks in our circle of friends who uh, talk about that one a lot. I believe, uh, I believe Orrin Gray's a big fan. Probably is. So there you go. <laughs> now the real question is is it better than Endgame <laughs> and three two one yes it is better than Endgame it's definitely more entertaining and it makes more sense <laughs> <laughs> it's better but is it better it did not have Steve Rogers ass I will say that that, that's America's ass right there, baby. Uh, now, okay, but where does it rank in some of the other schlocky films that we've seen recently? Okay. I mean, is it is it better than Cull the Conqueror by this Axe oh, Bodies by Iron? By far. It's, uh, you know... Speaking of recasting and remaking this movie, Harvey Firestein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, as, as the alien with a talking part. We need the women. Dangerous day. <laughs> oh, Dan. We hear your broadcast in the nebula. <laughs> Harvey Firestein playing the exact same character from Call. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Most definitely. All right, what about uh well, we all know that that it, you know, Blackula is much better. Um, well, Blackula was was cooler. Right. So Right, that was just like a cooler cooler thing altogether. Tattoo connection. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, come on. The tattoo connection was almost not going to make it to air with us <laughs> because that movie was so bad. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, I would say I would say that the dance scenes definitely outdo the dance scene in Tattoo Connection. Well, you had crappy um, music videos, right? Crappy that music were, videos, semi nostalgic with uh, awkward, sexy dancing. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the waitress in the uh, truck stop was probably the best dancer of the three. <laughs> but that's not really saying much. It, just to backtrack a little bit, you, so you had these girls thinking they're in these sexy, like late eighties, early nineties um, music Rock, videos, right? Um, and so they're dancing and, and gyrating and, and whatnot in their places of 
business or whatever. So you have like her dancing on the counter in the truck stop. Right. You had a nurse gyrating in the hospital. In the operating theater. Yes. Where they happen to listen to Dan O'Dare because that's what you do. But you she does. She, she, I don't even think, jobs. I don't even think she was like a real nurse because she was pushing around like a, a, a cart full of Lysol. And, and she had a negligee on her. Right. It's like, whoo, her lab coat uniform. Yeah, they all, yeah, that's all they all, you know, they all have silk, silk nighties under their, under their uh, lab coats. That's, that's how hospitals run. It's California, man. <laughs> it's rural California at that. It's almost like being in Oklahoma. Yeah. I would <laughs> recommend, depending on what state you're in, and whether it's legal or not, to watch this film after pulling some bong hits. <laughs> right. If you're on the West Coast or, or, or Colorado, you, you or, definitely... Or here in Massachusetts. Or Washington, D.C. Get, get high and watch this film. Because that's what it's there for, really. That, that's how they made it. <laughs> yeah. That's it's really that that's that's the ingredient that I'm missing in mm. watching this film. And I think that's like the key ingredient to make this from like a is it that bad that it's good? And I think the key ingredient is I don't smoke pot anymore. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> but I think had I before watching this, it would be the it, most amazing movie ever. It it would, yeah, hands down, hands down. <laughs> there you go. There's your advice from Steve right there. Be sure to get your psychic lubricants all all get your brain all lubed up for this one. Yeah, so so most radio hosts and whatnot are going to tell you to uh, stay in school, don't get high, blah blah blah. And I'm saying, get high and watch this film. <laughs> there you go. Hi, my name's Steve. But only, but I'm only if like... you're in a in a jurisdiction where it is legal. We are yes. not encouraging anyone to commit a crime. Wink, not break wink. The law. Do not break the law. Go to your friend's house in Massachusetts to watch this. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, well, that about wraps it up for Bad Channels. Bad movie. Bad movie. That's right. Microphones of Madness, we watch the terrible movie, so you don't have to. Yeah, we or, don't watch good movies. Not anymore, because they're not as funny. No, I mean, everybody's seen the good ones. Right. So, join us next time, and we'll be talking about something else kind of on the wacky side. Right. Um, until then, you might hear me oh. say, keep 30 luck points. That's right. Keep 30 luck points. Good night, everybody. Good night.